You're listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series, conversations about securing our way of life in the digital age. Welcome, everybody, to Don't Panic, the podcast from Unit 42 at Palo Alto Networks. I'm Ryan Olson, Vice President of Threat Intelligence, and with me today is Rick Howard. Hey, guys, I'm the Chief Security Officer here at Palo Alto Networks. And if you haven't listened to Don't Panic before, this is the podcast where we talk about big topics in cybersecurity. And we try to help you understand why you don't need to panic. That's right. Everything is not an emergency. We can figure most of these things out. Yes. Not everything is new. Not everything is the most dangerous thing of all time. There's a lot of stuff that we already know. So you don't need to panic. And today, our big topic is going to be what to do about reconnaissance. My favorite topic. It's the thing we always skip over when we talk about the intrusion kill chain. Yes. So if you're thinking about the kill chain, if you're not familiar with the kill chain, which means I'm surprised you found this podcast. <laughs> uh, kill chain, uh, the cyber kill chain, trademark Lockheed Martin, so no Lockheed lawyers come after Thank me. Thank you for doing it. Uh, started uh, a paper written by Eric Hutchins, Mike Klopper, and Rohan Amon in 2011. Uh, the paper is it 2011? 2011. I, so I've been saying years. 2010 forever. It's 2011, I guess. I might be wrong, but I wrote down 2011. Okay. So hopefully that's it. I'm sorry, um, I called attention to it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> 2011 established a, a basically a chain of events that an attacker needs to go through to accomplish their ultimate goal: breaking into your network, stealing your stuff, whatever that might be. And it established an idea of defending against that by looking at it as a chain of events, places where you can interdict an attacker, stop them before they can be successful, flipping the sort of idea on its head that attackers only have to be run one right once. They have to be right lots of times. They have to get through all these phases to be successful. My pet peeve about the whole thing is that it really highlighted that there are humans behind the attack. This yes. isn't just technical robots running attacks against you. Humans with motivations, they have to accomplish several things to be successful. And if you can focus on that, you understand why the intrusion kill chain is important to the industry. Absolutely. And the first phase in the seven-phase kill chain, and many kill chains that have come since, there's been a lot of attack mm -hmm. life cycle kind of things, but a lot of them include at the very beginning a phase called reconnaissance. And reconnaissance, other than being the hardest word to spell in the English <laughs> language, I feel like is a, at this point I've never successfully typed it right, I really just hope to get close enough that word can help me autocorrect to the correct word. Yeah, we were talking earlier, I, I have a, what is it called, a, a saved word so that yeah, it, I type recon it. and it misspells reconnaissance for me. I think we figured out there's an I inside yes, of reconnaissance. There's, there's at least one I, a couple S's, that's huh. a lot of letters. Yeah. Anyway. I don't believe it. So reconnaissance in the paper is defined as research, identification, and selection of targets, often represented as crawling internet websites, such as conference proceedings and mailing lists for email addresses, social relationships, and information on specific technologies, which is pretty well encompassing of what attackers are doing in that phase. They're trying to understand what about you and your organization they need to know to be successful in the rest of their attack. Yeah, they're trying to find holes in your network so they can craft an attack sequence to leverage all those things. In your network, in your people, in your defenses, and on top of that also, what kind of data might you have that they want to steal? Mm -hmm. It all sort of gets encompassed in that first phase. And I feel like when we talk about kill chain defense, people go, I can't do anything about that. Actually, they do one of two things. They either say, I can't do anything about reconnaissance. You know, reconnaissance isn't the kind of thing that you're going to stop it from being successful. Attackers are going to gather data about you. Because in, in that phase, right, people are not worried about it. They're just kind of banging things up in the, your perimeter, right? Yep. So You might not even see it. It might happen entirely outside of your network. Yep. Um, or what people do is they implement measures to try and detect reconnaissance. And I don't think those are particularly effective. So you could do them. You can do them. 
but you better, the main one that people try to do is they say, let me gather all of my web logs and try to find suspicious activity hitting my web logs that might actually be an attacker, which you might be successful in doing this, but you are going to spend a lot of hours burning through crawler after crawler and everything else that's hitting your website and then running those down. And if you don't have just a ton of people who are accessible to do either threat hunting or sock work inside your network, you're probably wasting their time. There's then, better things you can do. Well, and then even if you do, even if you are successful there, what do you do with that intelligence? I mean, what do you even do? Yeah. Do you yeah. block it? No. I know someone's going to attack me now. Yeah. Okay. If we, if this was like 2006 and we could expect like the same IP address who scanned your website to then send you an email and BSC2, Cool. That would be useful. That I liked, is not today. I liked your example before we started. It's the same IP address from the PLA in downtown yeah. China. Okay. You're, you're not getting a, a PLA IP address <laughs> that downloaded a file and is also being a C2. That's not what's going to happen. That is not That is not an attack of 20. All the early days. All the good old yes. days. OPSEC yeah. has changed. The, the bad guys have got better as well. So <laughs> what I want to do with the rest of this um, episode is talk a little bit about some examples of recon, things that we know are happening, and talk about some things that you should do strategically to try to defend yourself against them. So... There's a bunch of stuff that was listed in that definition um, of things that the adversary is trying to go out and get. Um, but I think the best way to think about recon is this is the attacker trying to gather information so that they can launch their attack. So there's, there's a couple buckets there. One is information about the people who they might want to target with a spear phishing email, which means any information they can gather about that person can help them be a more effective social engineer. Where have they been? What have they done? What are they working on? What's their name? Well, How was their email address structured? We know that most of the bad guys are trying to steal credentials because it's a lot easier to do that than it is to you know, compromise an endpoint somewhere. So if they can figure out who the person is and uh, what their name is and where they hang out, that, that's a long way uh, down that path. Yeah, if you can fish somebody's credentials, you have made it the, the very far, especially in the world of everything is in the cloud. Credentials are often all you need to be able to get access to the data that you really wanted to access. Uh, one that was mentioned in that definition was conference presentations uh, or attendee lists. This is actually one that is still rather common. If you go and Google for a file that's an Excel spreadsheet, you can tell Google, just show me Excel spreadsheets that had the word attendees in it and another keyword of yours, you're going to find a huge list of people, their email address, their name, their title, all sorts of other data that tells you about all these people who might have an interest or might work at an organization that you want to target. All that data is accessible, easy enough to get to with Google without anything special. So you're, what you're talking about is really OPSEC. You're talking about trying to limit the amount of information that you provide to the public and really think about that. Limit it and just be aware of it. And mm -hmm. I'll talk a little bit more about things that you can do to do that in just a second. Some other examples that I think are interesting. Um, knowing someone was at a presentation or at a conference is a fantastic opportunity for social engineering because you know that they're in a location at a certain time. You know that they're interested in a certain topic. And people meet a lot of people at conferences. It is extremely hard to remember every interaction you had at a conference. So if you send someone an email and say, hey, we met at this conference last week. Here's a copy of that deck that we were talking about. That is a fantastic opportunity to actually get someone to open a file, um, which is one of the easiest ways to eventually get into the network. I had, I had that very thing happen to me uh, just last week. I was, um, you know, I, I I do a lot. I'm a speaker on the speaking circuit. Yep. Uh, I went to a conference. I got an email from somebody I did not know, but it sounded like it looked like an valid email address. And it says, here's that deck. I told you I would send you. That's very tempting, even for people oh, yeah. to know what they're doing, not to click that link. Absolutely. 
And another thing that attackers are looking for is they want to know what kind of defenses do you have in place that you might need to evade. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that people uh, might assume is secret. They, you don't know what kind of firewall I'm using. You don't kind of AV I'm using. And I will tell you that is one of the easiest things to discover for two ways. One, LinkedIn. If you have employees who are listed in LinkedIn and they have a whole bunch of skills and certifications, <laughs> they're probably working on the things that they listed as their skills and certifications. If they're talking about big projects, just complete a new rollout of a new endpoint agent, they're going to name what that is. And if they do that, that's a great signal to an attacker to say, oh, that's what it is. If I just got my Splunk certification or, you know, yeah. there's a pretty good chance I'm working Splunk. You're probably working on that technology. It's just a <laughs> likely conclusion, especially yeah. if there's multiple people in the organization. And on the flip side, job postings. If you post for a job that has 10 different technologies that are required uh, for someone in the security operations center or somewhere else, you're not going to list those things for technologies you're not going to use. Um, so likely, you're hiring for people because that's what you've actually got deployed. It's very quick to find this information. And I'm not suggesting don't ask for technologies on your job applications. That's right. not a thing. But understand that none of that is secret. None of it is going to be a secret. It's very easy to discover, and attackers can do it without any special tools, without ever touching your network. I think that's the thing, right? Uh, it isn't some big mystery how they knew that you were a Splunk expert, okay? Yep. They just looked it up on your LinkedIn page. We have all shared it. It's all available. <laughs> People can go and find it. And that also comes to the, what I was mentioning before, projects that you're working on, expertise that you have. Uh, if, you're, if an attacker was targeting an organization specifically to get access to their intellectual property, finding people in their company who have multiple patents that are listed, those are people who probably are inventing things and have access to interesting IP. Those are good targets of people who you might want to go and go for. It's just information that if you know, you know those people might be a higher probability target for spear phishing or some other um, type of attack. So we have all this information is out there. So yep. what are you suggesting, Ryan? How do we protect ourselves against that kind of recon? So there's two things that I think are important. So one is be aware of what data is available. Take a few of the people on your security team and ask them, give them a big list of questions and say, go find out these things about our organization using only external sources. Find out what's the pattern for our email address. Is it first initial, last name, first name, dot last name, whatever that might be. If you can find out what it is, attackers know what it is. See if you can get a list of all of your employees. Let's see their phone numbers. Can you get that information? Can you get where they work? Can you get people's titles? Is all of that information somewhere accessible? Did your directory get dumped at some point and it's sitting out there somewhere Googleable? Go get it. Find every executive name that you can. Find out what they their um, their focuses, what projects they might be working on. Find out their EA's name, because their EA has access to everything that they have access to. So if you can find all of that information, you can build a nice network. Um, in addition, do what I just said. Find out every single piece of technology you're using. What's your firewall? What's your IPS? What AV system? What's the URL of your VPN? Find out what your webmail looks like. If you can find all of that out externally, assume that attackers know that. And once you have that information, you can use it to be more effective. One, in, in this, is, I'm, everyone hates when I bring this up, but educating your workforce to help them understand how oh. to defend. I know education doesn't work. <laughs> but just making them aware that this is information that's not secret will help them better understand that it is not something they should be able to use to build trust when it comes to social engineering. And the second thing I'd yeah, say, I'm kind of just, go ahead, yeah. just don't assume that it's secret. It's, uh, it's going to be out there. There's nothing that's secret anymore. Right. Yeah. But know how much is not secret. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. Just go and sort of seek it out. And we haven't talked about uh, so much um, active scanning of your servers. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Your servers will be actively scanned, trying to suss out who is scanning you from your logs, I think is um, 
a fool's errand, but perform your own active scanning. Scan your own network to see what an attacker would have found. This is just basic sort of security, but at least run a scan to know what kind of hosts are running because the last thing you want to end up, the last situation you want to be in is that the adversary knows about your more, about, more about your infrastructure than you do which is unfortunate, but all too common. Yeah, you just to have that general scanning ability your own self, it, that'll show you that, hey, some IT guy put out put some new web server out that I didn't know about that, that allows you to understand what's going on and that's not going to be vulnerable to some new attack coming up. Absolutely. Happens all the time. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this subject, Rick? It is one of the topics that we always skip over, okay? And I'm glad that you kind of twisted it, Ryan, that we instead of saying, well, we're going to try to collect all the attacks hitting our front perimeter because that, that's really, nobody's goes, what? I can't use any, you know, that's when I start to panic. You're just wasting time. Wasting time. So I can Put take... bodies on it. Yeah, which is ridiculous, right? Yeah. So I like what you said about we just be cognizant of the information we're putting out there. And it's kind of the zero trust model we were sure. talking about before we started recording, right? It's not completely that, but it's really limiting what you expose so that the adversaries don't have a lot of tools that they can use to leverage your sites. You can't block things off that you don't know about. And you can't make policy choices to say, do we want our employees listing all this stuff in LinkedIn or wherever else it might be, unless you've actually know and you've seen examples and you've got the data to go and say, this is why this is a real risk. Yep, that's very good. All right. Let's talk about our pop culture moment. My favorite part. And once again, we have something that is relevant to the conversation. Which is not normal. Not when, we, when we started season two and start season three, we said we're not going to try to link these pop no. culture moments. But for the last two now, we've had them that are related. We've got another good example. This is from a classic movie that you've probably all seen called Hackers. Our favorite. Our favorite. It's a it's a great movie, uh, and this it's scene. It's not a great movie. It is an enjoyable movie to watch, <laughs> and this scene in particular um, is demonstration of social engineering. Uh, somebody, and, and the hacker in this case, zero cool, reaching out, trying to gather information from an organization through a simple phone call, and here we go. Let's listen. This is Mr. Eddie Better from accounting. I just had a power search here at home that wiped out a file I was working on. Listen, I'm in big trouble. You know anything about computers? Um, uh, gee. Right, well, my BLT drive on my computer just went AWOL, and uh, I got this big project due tomorrow for Mr. Kawasaki, and if I don't get it in, he's going to ask me to commit Harry Carey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know these Japanese management techniques. Could you uh, read me the number on the modem? Um, It's a little boxy thing, Norm, with switches on it. Let's my computer talk to the one there. 212-555-4240. All right. Where can I get me one of those BLT drives? That's I know, the I... BLT drive's the best. Mine just went AWOL. <laughs> it's a bummer. So what he was doing in that instance, this is not actually a great example of social engineering. He used, he flustered his target in this case. He used a bunch of jargon to trick him. He increased the urgency of the situation by using sort of some slightly racist terminology. <laughs> um, but he used this to get that person to think something really bad is going to happen if I don't do something very simple, which is a great social engineering technique. I think anyone who's interested in social engineering, there are lots of great books on it. Uh, the Art of Deception by Kevin Mitnick is one of the best. I really enjoyed it. Um, but this is an example of reconnaissance. He's just trying to get that phone number because that's all he needs. How would he find it another way other than going and asking a person? Yeah, and that's just the recon we were talking about before, right? Yep. This is one of the ways you can do it. I don't know the dial-in numbers for the modems, but let me ask somebody who's going to be too 
uneducated and too flustered to not give it to me. People are often extremely helpful. Oh, there. If you give them the opportunity to help you. That's true. All right. Thank you once again, everybody, for joining. Thank you, Rick, for coming on. This was a good one. I love it. we'll see you all in the next one. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series. For more useful information, including conversations like this one, visit paloaltonetworks.com.